0: All right, guys, I just want to say welcome tonight, especially if you're new. It's always just so exciting for me when new people come because I just believe God's doing something in this group, and, and it's just great to just make it bigger and bigger and, and just let more people in. So if you don't know me, I'm Daniel Quimby, and I'm the campus pastor here, and I really just want to meet all of you. So come to me after service. I'd love to hear your story and just get to know you. So for or this last weekend, we talked about it a bit, but uh, 30 of us went up to, or 35 of us went up to... Uh, I went up to Minnesota, and we had this thing called SALT Conference. And it's a retreat with just all the Chi Alphas in North Dakota, Minnesota, and Iowa. And God just did incredible things. Uh, For those of you who have been around for a while, uh, you know that the group's changed a lot over the last semester. There's been a lot of new people. So, you know, this weekend was really just a time for us to bond with each other and God just doing stuff. You know, one of the highlights for me was I was praying with a student. And then I saw our guys over here in a circle, and they're just, like, pounding their chest. They're pumped. They're excited. And, uh, and my brother Derek, who's a freshman who's playing bass back here, he's just, like, doing a rally cry for Jesus. He's like, come on. Come on for Jesus. And they're just, uh, yeah, let's go. That's the phrase. So they're just praying that they would be be men of God. And I think something we struggle with as men in our culture is being really passive. So, or so we prayed that God would make us active men who, who take this campus for him. And not only that, but it's more important that, or that we get our hearts right so that, or so that we get our, our personal lives in order. So we just prayed that over our campus. We prayed that over our men. So that was a highlight for me because to be honest, campus ministries are usually about 85% girls, about 15% guys. I don't know why that is. It just happens to be that way. So it's cool when the guys really start to take up the call. So that was a highlight for me. There's also tons of cool things. People got healed, of diseases, and, and we or talked to, or, uh, before, or at the beginning of the service, Emily shared about that infection that was healed. God just did some really cool things. So yeah, so this last weekend was incredible, but I don't believe that God can only be, or be met up in Minnesota. I believe God's gonna do something tonight. Uh, for those of you who didn't go on retreat, come on, tonight's gonna be awesome, so don't worry that you didn't go. God's gonna do stuff tonight, and I'm just excited to uh, see what he does. So the last the last two weeks now, uh, we've been in a series called, or called Resolutions, so you see the graphic there, and, and the, whole, or the whole heart behind this is it's the new year, and I think there's some resolutions we need to make as a group. So the first one last week was, or was we resolved to go all in for Jesus. That was just the cry, just a rally cry, hey, let's go all in for this thing, and we talked about this thing called consecration, or which means to be set apart completely for God, so, you know, nothing holds us back from our relationship with Jesus. So we said we need to be consecrated to God. And now this week I felt like the Lord was saying that tonight we need to talk about just reading the Bible because actually today a study came out just today and in the Waterloo or Cedar Rapids area in just all of Eastern Iowa is the fourth least Bible-minded area in the entire country. Guys, we beat Vegas and we beat San Francisco. That's how biblically unminded we are here. Like we don't like really understand the scriptures. We don't really read them. So that was really interesting, because God told me about a year ago to preach on this tonight, and, and that study came out. So I just really think, guys, tonight, let's learn how to read the Bible. That's what this whole sermon's about. And I think, too, it's, it's super important after we go on these retreats, because we get jacked up. Dudes are, you know, going like this on campus. Come on. They're getting jacked. But I think it's important to really get our own personal lives in order. So I think one of the most important things we can do is spend time with Jesus every single day. And that's really teased out through... Or through, or through reading the Bible, and through prayer, and also worship, and other things, and, you know, journaling, if you like to do that, but that's what we're going to talk about tonight, so I think I am safe to say, I think it's safe to say that that most of us in this room, in some way or the other, struggle with reading the Bible, and that's me included, you know, there's times, you know, like I'm in, uh, or if I'm in Leviticus, you know, I do not want to read that, and, and the Lord's saying, just read it, it's in there, and some of these different books, you know, they're really boring sometimes, but then But then you'll be plowing along and then God will speak to you something right in the middle of all that stuff that you don't understand. And guys, I think there's a lot of us in this room who struggle with the Bible and struggle to read it. Let's be honest. Some of us think it's it's boring. Like, you know, try to read it and it's like 772 dudes did this, 500 guys did this, and and it doesn't make any sense. But tonight I want to kind of bring the Bible to life for us and talk about how it can be a daily thing, a daily thing where you read. And you're going to come across those boring passages. It's going to happen. Just a couple days ago, I read this really boring passage. Just a video on Facebook about it, and uh, just wasn't good. And, you know, it wasn't really hitting the heart. But then I read something else that day that was just, just got me right here. So, God can speak even through those passages, though, and that's what I want to say tonight. Like the whole Bible is for us, and God wants us to read all of it. So, or so Hebrews four twelve says this: For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Guys, we need the Bible. We need it. Like, guys, if we want to be in relationship with Christ, you know, the only way we can come into, or into relationship with him is through his cross, through his sacrifice, on the cross, through his blood. That's the only way we can. So, guys, if you're trying to measure up to Jesus, you know, trying to climb your way to him, you can't do it. You can't do it. The only way we can come to Christ is through his sacrifice, But if we want to actually be intimate with Jesus and actually know him and and get that sin out of our lives and become more like him, then we have to read the word. It's living and active. It cuts to our heart. And it makes us more like Jesus as we read it, as we need the scripture. So tonight we're going to look at four verses in Psalm 1. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Otherwise, it will be on the screen, which I like to just look at the screen personally. Uh, It's fun. You don't have to get your Bible out. Uh, so anyway, so we're going to do Psalm 1. So like I said, I just want to review this quick. Our first resolution from, or from last week was, or, or was uh, or we resolved to be consecrated and wholly devoted to Jesus. And tonight our, con, or our, uh, our resolution is we resolve to actively read and be rooted in the Word of God. So that's what we're going for in Psalm 1. But before we read that, let's pray. Jesus. I pray that you would speak tonight. God, I pray that you'd give us a hunger for your word. We can't, God, I feel like being a Christian and not reading the word don't go together. I think to really be intimate with you, we really need to read the Bible. So Lord, I pray that the the words would jump off the page to us and we would just have this hunger to devour the word of God. God, speak tonight and have your way. Amen. All right, so the first psalm is kind of the gateway into the entire book. So it stresses that those who... Who worship God genuinely must embrace his law, but for us, we would say the Bible, because you know in the Old Testament, they had the law, and now we just have the whole scripture. So, guys, if you really want to worship God and pursue him, you have to read the word. That's what it's saying. And, and the purpose of the psalm is to draw people into loving the Bible. It's not this obligation that God says, check, check, you read the Bible today. Good job, buddy. Get on your way. No, it's this privilege we have to read the word and become more like Jesus, to connect with him. It takes time. It takes work sometimes. Like, it's not always easy to open the Bible. There's times I get to my office, I'm a pastor, and I get to my office, and I'm like, I don't really want to read this thing. But every time I do, I'm happy I did. And the days I don't, the days I don't read, I'm feeling really cruddy around 4 o'clock in the afternoon. God calls us to read the Word. So the Psalmist is saying, if you really love God, you should read the Bible. And and the psalmist takes two ways of living. He says you can either walk in the counsel of the wicked, so you can get all your... uh, advice and wisdom from the world, from TV, from Netflix, from tabloids, whatever. You can get, get your advice from that, or you can get your source from the Bible. It's, it's saying there's two ways to live. So let's read it. Verse one. So Psalm one, verse one. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night he's like a tree planted by streams of water that that gives its fruit in its season and its leaf does not does not wither and all that he does he prospers verse 4 the wicked are not so but are like chaff that the wind drives away so the main point tonight is this the bible is our source to live a God-centered or God-centered life and we should seek to read it daily. If you get anything out of the sermon, that's what I want you to get. The Bible is our source to live a God-centered life and, and if we call ourselves a Christian, we should read it daily. If you're not a Christian, I'm not telling you to read the Bible. That's, that's not going to do any good. First, we have to get right with Christ before we can even or seek to read the word. So there's three points I got from this passage tonight. The first one is this. And this comes, so it's just going right through. So this one's from verse one and two. So it's this. We need to delight in and get our counsel from the word of God and not from the world. That's verse one and two. So let's read it again. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So throughout this passage, or the psalmist is juxtaposing the blessed or God-centered life and the life that sits in the counsel of the wicked. He says, blessed are you who get your counsel or who do not get your counsel from wicked people or wicked sources, but get your counsel from the word of God and from God himself. Blessed are, or blessed are you who delight in God's word and righteousness. He says, blessed are you who love the Bible. That's what he's saying. He says, he says meditate on this thing day and night. Blessed are you if you meditate on the Bible day, and night. So picture yourself just loving the Bible so much that you sleep with it. It's like a teddy bear. You're reading it before you go to sleep. Oh, Jesus, that's good. And then you go to sleep, and you wake up at 2 a.m. Oh, that's so good, Jesus. Thank you. And then you go back to bed, and you wake up at 5, and you're just reading it all night long. I'm not there yet, but I'm working on it. Picture that. He's saying, blessed are you if you delight in the law of the Lord. So this passage is, it's really painting a picture of two possible drivers or inputs in your life. You can either be influenced and driven by God's word, or you can be driven by culture, by the wicked, by the world. I want us all to ask ourselves these questions right now. What is the greatest input in your life? What do you consume the most? Think about it. What is the main driver in your life? Are you devouring the word of God or Netflix? Come on, that just convicted about all of us. <laughs> do you read the Bible or celebrity tabloids more? Do you watch Game of Thrones every night or do you sit at the feet of Jesus just seeking to know him more? And we all have room to grow. On the, or on the Netflix one, I'm watching the last season of Parks and Rec. Probably need to calm down and read the Bible more. I feel it. I'm feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit. So the question is, where do we go for advice in our life? Do we go to the word of God first or to our friends or to our family? If you're a Christian, God's word and God himself need to be the final authority and the greatest influencer in your life, no matter what. We need to allow God's word to have the final say. As culture seeks to indoctrinate us, we must cling to the Bible. If Jesus really rose from the dead, think about this. If you call yourself a Christian, you believe that Jesus rose from the dead, he defeated death. He died on a cross and rose three days later. Shouldn't we take seriously what he said? I'm just saying, the dude who rose from the dead or a celebrity? I don't know. I'm going to take it from Jesus. I don't know, guys. I, it says, or we talked about this verse last week, but John 10.10 says that Jesus came so we could have life and life abundantly. The Bible's not there to, to steal your fun. It's not there to tell you not to do this, that, and that. It's there to lead you into life and into love. God is love. The Bible leads us to God because it's God's word himself. We have to cling to scripture and not to all these other drivers in our life. Second point is this. Intentional scripture reading produces godly fruit. So verse 3 says, He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. So he's saying those who are consumed by the word of God are like a tree planted in streams of water. That's a beautiful picture. Let's be honest, especially those of us who call ourselves a Christ follower. There's times we're trying to produce fruit or be godly or follow Jesus. And it's like just trying to push the fruit out. But, but verse 3 says, if you, it, if you consume the word of God, you're like a tree planted in streams of water. It's easy to produce fruit. It's easy because you're reading the Bible. It's indoctrinating your life. It's giving you vitality and vibrance in your faith. We cannot produce fruit without it, guys. We need God's word. And by fruit, the psalmist is saying, godly fruit, he's saying saying it's going to make you want to know God more. It's going to give you a heart for those who don't know Jesus. How many of us need a heart for those who don't know Jesus? Because I tell you, I struggle sometimes. I'm doing my own thing, I'm getting my own Bible reading in, you know, doing my own Christian life. But God calls us to be broken for people who don't know him. Because the reality is, is if people don't know Jesus, they're going to hell. And that should break us. If it doesn't break us, then there's something wrong. When we read, a, guys, when we, guys, when we read the word of God, it gives us fruit and it makes us more like Jesus. We'll have the fruit of the spirit in our life, which is love, joy. Come on, these are things we should want. Love, joy, peace patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I almost forgot one. We will begin to live our lives the way that God intended for us to live. The Christian walk is not about trying to be good and trying to to pull up your bootstraps and try really hard and and follow Jesus. If we're connected to the source, which is Christ, and that's through reading the word and praying, it comes easy for us. It comes easy. If you're just trying to force it out, if it's like, trying to pull all, your, pull all your effort together to follow Jesus. You're not doing it right. God calls us to rest in him. That's through reading the word. We need it. Intentional scripture reading produces godly fruit. The third point is this. Those who neglect scripture will not be steadfast in their faith. I thought about that one for a while because, I mean, maybe if you're superhuman, like you cannot read the Bible and follow Jesus well. The Holy Spirit must just be like speaking to your ear all the time. But I don't know about you. Sometimes I can't hear the Holy Spirit. So I need the Bible because we know that's the Holy Spirit speaking to us. But I think it's safe to say that if you're not in love with the word, if you're not reading it, then you're probably not going to stand the test of time in your faith. The verse first says is this. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. So he's saying... That those who are consumed by the world and not the word, notice the difference there, will be like chaff that the wind drives away. So, so you'll be tossed to and fro and unable to really follow Jesus without the word of God. And you're going to miss what God has for you. It's not about pleasing God or trying to, to muster up the effort, guys. It's about, it's about living the life that God intended for you to live. We talk so much about how oh, God has a plan for your life. If we're just sitting there not doing anything, not trying to connect with Jesus. That plan is not going to come to pass. God calls, us, God calls each of us into an intimate relationship with him. I saw a video or a blog or something a couple days ago that or there's a famous pastor. They're asking him the question, what's more important, Bible reading or prayer? And there's John Piper, if you've heard of him. And he said that Bible reading is the most important, and here's why. It's more important that God speaks to us than we speak to him. And I'm not saying prayer is not important, but I think scripture reading is, or should be our top priority. Because, guys, it's the very words of God. It speaks to us. God's speaking to us through the word. If you're struggling to hear God, just open up the Bible. He's going to speak to you. And I'm all about God speaking. I believe God spoke to me tonight for that person who needs to know that it's okay to not be okay. But I don't always get those things. That happens about once a month. Guys, we need the word of God so God can speak to us and influence our lives. And if we don't read the word of God, we're going to be driven to and fro. If you want to cure for spiritually dry seasons or or you call yourself a Christian but you're not really excited about it, read the word. It's going to be hard at first, but as you read, you'll want to read more. God wants us to read the word of God. Let's look up one more passage tonight. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. This is uh, Timothy writing. He says this, All scripture is breathed out by God. And profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. So 2 Timothy describes scripture as being breathed out by God. That's an incredible picture. It's like God's breath, God's very words. Shouldn't that make us want to read the Bible? I mean, the God over all these galaxies we learn about in astronomy class, there's like 80 billion, 100 billion of them. Tons of galaxies, tons of planets. He, he's over all of it, and he wants to connect with you through his word. He gave us the Bible so we could, con, or so we could connect with him. It's the very breath of God. We should want to read this thing. Tim, or Timothy explains that it's profitable for teaching, so he's referring to proper God-centered thinking, beliefs, and actions. If we want to be able to follow God, we need to read the Bible for, or for reproof. So when we need correction, we can go to the Bible. Just last week, I read this verse. It says, humble yourselves, therefore, and God will exalt you at the proper time. I was feeling pretty prideful that day. That humbled me. I needed that for correction. If I didn't read the Bible, God wouldn't have spoke to me that day. Probably. See, God spoke to me through the word. And he also says, for correction, which I actually just talked about, but, and finally, for training in righteousness. So, if we want to live a godly, Christ-centered life, and we need to read the word, and then it concludes in verse seventeen by saying that this is also that the man or woman of God can be competent and equipped for every good work. If we hope to truly live the Christian life, we need the Bible. We need it for proper thinking. We need it to bear fruit. We need it to be connected to Jesus. We need it. We need to read the word. So the main point again is this: the Bible is our source to live a God-centered life and we should seek to read it daily. That should be our number one resolution, I believe. Number one, above getting healthy, which is important, above prayer even, although prayer is really important. Bible reading reading needs to be our most important thing, our our first resolution. So how many of you in this room are craftsmen? Probably some guys in here, like, like you're good at fixing stuff. You're good at building things. Okay, nobody, Jacob Hans even, you're kind of buff. I, I thought you'd be a craftsman. I don't know. But so nobody in here is good at, okay, so I'm not the only one. So anyways, I am not a craftsman. So there's these things called spiritual gift tests, which I don't know if they're accurate, but you fill out a thing, and it tells you what gifts you have from God. I get zero for craftsmen every time, and it's out of, like, 50 points. It's just zero. Ask Dan. He knows. So... So last week after Kyle for Levinsky, who's this incredible dude right here, and I were trying to get the trailer unlatched, because we pull a trailer here every week to, or to unload our sound equipment, and then we load it back up, and we're at the church. It's like 10 degrees, and we're trying to get this thing unlatched, and we're just like yanking on it for like 30 minutes. I'm getting angry. He's just laughing at me, and for 30 minutes, we're trying to get this thing off, and eventually we had to leave the Jeep there, and, and then our friend Emery came and got it for us later when we were at when we were at the restaurant, because he had gotten done eating already, because we had been there for so long, so me and Levinsky are there by ourselves pretty much, and and then we come back, and I'm pumped up that the thing's off, because Emery can just touch anything and it's just poof, like he's crazy, he just touches something, it's fixed, he's a crazy dude, but anyway, so like, I'm pumped about it, and I just start driving away, and I hear poof, I'm like oh no, and I didn't think anything of it at first, I just like drove home, and I was thinking about, it. I was like I don't think I disconnected the lights from the Jeep. So I go back there, I'm like, please, Lord, I don't know how to fix anything, please, I'll have to pay someone, <laughs> and sure enough, it's ripped, and I'm like, it's like, it's already like one o'clock in the morning, and I have tunnel vision, I, if something gets in my mind, I can't think about anything else, so Emily is like, <laughs> sleeping, and I'm sitting there just like, like eyes are gonna see, I'm like, I can't, I, I can't go to sleep unless I go back to the church, and check it out, and make sure that everything's okay with the trailer, so, and, and in the meantime, I texted my dad, who was, like, fast asleep, probably five hours before, and said, hey, can you help me fix this thing? So I went to the church at 2 o'clock in the morning and looked at it. There was no point. I just looked at it. Oh, okay, it's ripped, like I thought. Went home. But I felt better, and I went to sleep. And, uh, <laughs> there was no point in it at all, but I, so at least I could sleep. But, uh. And then my dad texts me back in the morning. Is like, it's okay, man. Don't need to stress out. I'll fix it in, like, 30 seconds. So he comes up on Tuesday. He lives in Cedar Rapids. He drives up just to do this, which he's awesome. So anyways, that's really cool of him. And he goes back there, twists a few wires together, tapes it. It's literally 30 seconds, and it's fixed. I'm like, great. Thanks, Dad. You make me feel terrible. So anyways, I'm trying to think of the reason I'm sharing this story. (laughs) I think oftentimes we feel lost in life, we feel like there's no hope for our situation, we don't know how to navigate difficult relationships or difficult people or be the person that God has called us to be. But the great thing is, is we have a book, we have an instruction manual, the Bible, that's that's here to help us. It's not going to answer every single question you have. But if you read it daily, it's going to give you godly wisdom. And when things happen in your life, like for me, cutting the cord, which has nothing to do with the Bible, but, you know, a bad relationship or something, the Word can speak to you. An incredible thing, you know, so I had my dad to help me. So if you think of it this way, my dad's kind of like prayer. Like I could pray to him, and he came and helped. You know, just like we can pray to our Father in Heaven. But, guys, we get both. We can pray to our Father in Heaven, and he can help us, which we need to do. We're going to talk about that next week for 45 minutes. Just, hey, guys, get on our knees and pray. Guys, we need to pray. We need to pray. I'll say it again. Guys, we need to pray. But also, we need to read the Bible. God gives us both. Guys, we get an awesome dad who will drive 45 minutes to fix something for us, a God who will answer our prayers, sometimes in, or in ways we don't like, but he'll answer the prayer. And we also get an instruction manual from God, his very words telling us how to live life. And it, guys, don't get me wrong, the Bible's not about us. It's one thing that's been, been mistaught in the church. It's about God. It's not about us. So don't read it like this is a love letter to me. No, 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 it's not a roadmap to your life. No, it's about God, and God's inviting you into that story. Saying, come, come get in the store with me. It's not about you, although there's things that apply to you in there. And, but it's about God, His goodness, His faithfulness. It's about how God wants to intersect your life and bring you into His great story. That's what the Bible is about. All we have to do is open the Word and we get to hear God speak. It's incredible. Every day. I'm feeling prideful. God says, humble yourself. I mean, seriously, it was like, right what I needed to hear. We need the Word. We need the Bible. So what I want to do for just the next five minutes is give some tips on how to read the Bible daily. Because I've met so many people, including myself, who who struggle to get a daily routine down. And I finally found something after like three years that just really works for me. So I'm going to go through this quick. First tip is this. Read in the morning. And I know for probably 99%, you're like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not reading in the morning. And... (laughs) I didn't start reading in the morning until I became a pastor, and my job is to read the Bible in the morning. But, you know, like I used to read at night. So it's not a big deal if you can't read in the morning, but I think it's really important, if you can, if you're someone who can get up and do it, to give God your first few minutes of the day. Just get up and do that first. Before you jump in the shower, before you eat, just read the Word. If it's only a few verses, whatever, just read it right away in the morning, because then God can inform the rest of your day. I think it's just really incredible to give God the first moments of our day. Second thing that... Or I get questions about is people say, How much do I need to read each day? And I used to try to answer the question, but I've kind of realized that it's the wrong question. The question should be, How much do I get to read today? How much time do I have to read the Bible? I'm not saying every free moment you have to read the Word, you need to socialize and do homework and things, but try to read as much as you can. It doesn't matter if you read a few verses or a few chapters, just, just read whatever you can. If you've never read the Bible before and it's something that you struggle with, you know, maybe just start out with five verses. I'm going to do five verses. I'm going to start in Matthew 1. So you read five or five verses the next day, or I'm going to read the next five. And just keep doing that and keep building up on it. For me, I read multiple chapters. That's just what, or in this season of life, I'm doing. And I think that's great if you can because you get so much more and You can get through the whole Bible in a year. But if you can't do that, that's fine. Don't get legalistic about it. It's not like checking off a box. We need to really get that off our minds. It's not like, oh, I need to do this for God to love me today. No, it's a privilege to, to be able to communicate with him and hear from him. It's not, God's not going to love you anymore if you read or don't read the Bible. Yeah, you're going to know him more, and you're going to be able to follow him better, but he's not going to love you more because you read the Bible, okay? And like, we need to get that out because then it becomes legalistic, and when we forget to read, like, we just quit reading because we don't want to feel guilty, and it's like, oh, it's going to be so, or so much work. It needs to be viewed as a privilege, not as this obligation or responsibility, Third thing is this. Throw it up there. The entire, okay, so the question is, is so if I'm just starting out, or even if you're not just starting out, like what part of the Bible should I read? That's what I'll say. So the entire Bible is fair game. I think the whole thing is important. I think there's some things that are more important than others. I'm not saying that it's not all scripture, but there's just some parts that we should probably read more than others. But anyways, set yourself up for success by starting with some of the more interesting books, like the Gospels, which are the stories of Jesus. It's like the account of his life, God himself on earth, doing crazy things. healing people, raising people from the dead, casting out demons. Cool stuff. It's really exciting. So start with something like that. So it's either Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. But then work towards reading some Old Testament and New Testament each day. So Old Testament is just before Jesus' time. It's a little bit more about the law and things like that. It's a little bit more complicated. And the New Testament is like Jesus kicking butt for four books. Then the book of Acts, which is can't stop, won't stop. The disciples are just like, come on, taking this, or taking the whole world for Jesus. And then there's all these letters from the apostles that they wrote to the churches to instruct them on how to be a Christian, how, on how to live the Christian life. It's really exciting. But I encourage you to read both sections if you can, both Old and New Testament. For me, I try to do like one Old Testament. Actually, I try to do three Old Testament chapters because there's a lot more, and I try to get through it in a year. I try to read a psalm each day. And I try to read one New Testament chapter. So, but the important thing is that you are reading continuously. So, today you read Genesis 1, which is the very first book in the Old Testament. It's like, in the beginning, God created or the heavens and the earth. Let's be honest, that's like the only verse a lot of us is, or have read. Because we read it in church, we're like, who well, that's good. And we put it down, we don't read it again. And, and the next time we try to read the Bible, we're like, okay, we'll start with Genesis 1, or, 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 or start with Genesis 1 right in the beginning. And we read and we get tired once we get to the laws and things like that. So, anyways, Genesis 1 and then you read Matthew 1 which is the first or the first book in the New Testament and then read a psalm which is it's incredible just like worship book it's about like worshiping Jesus it's like incredible stuff so so if you read Genesis 1 Matthew 1 Psalm 1 the next day read Genesis 2 Matthew 2 Psalm 2 because if you just jump around and just you know this is what I used to do when I was a kid I just go okay God oh that's it that's it therefore o prostitute hear the word of the lord That's literally what it was. Ezekiel 1635. If you want to, if you're, yeah. Anyways, don't do that. Don't do that. It's not going to work. It actually does work sometimes. I mean, once in a while. I try it pretty much every other day. Like, okay, not today. But don't do that. Have a, guys, have a plan. That's the important thing. Do the one-year Bible plan. So there's this thing called the Bible app, or if you just get your phones out and search Bible on the App Store, this thing called the Bible app, and they have tons and tons of plans. If you don't want to have to choose what you read each day, these plans are all set up for you. Yeah. So that was the third tip. Fourth tip. We talked about soap earlier, and all you know is that's about washing your soul or something, Jesse said. So four is use soap to help you to remember what you read. So let's look at soap. Let's talk about soap for a few minutes. So soap is this awesome journaling technique I found uh, from a church somewhere. And, and it's just a really easy way to, to, really, to really remember what you read. Because like I used to just read as much as I could, didn't remember anything, and I would just close the Bible like, yeah, done today, done. Or I would just take notes on every single verse, and that's exhausting. So soap is this cool thing. Let's explain it. So the... It's an acronym. So, Scripture is the first thing. So, you write down S in your journal, and you put the Scripture passage. Okay? And let's go to O. Observation. So, or so you read the Scripture. Or so, okay, let's go back for a second. So, you're reading Matthew 1. You come across this cool Scripture that just kind of jumps out to you. Then you jot it down. And then you're like, all right, observation. So, then you just write an observation. You could say, Jesus did some cool stuff here. I don't know. I don't know what it would be. Application is the next thing. And then you do a personal application from it. So, Jesus did some cool stuff. He healed the sick. I think God's calling me to go pray for the sick. I'm going to do some cool stuff. That's the application you get. Then P for prayer. Your prayer, based on that passage. So, you say, Jesus, help me to do some cool stuff. God, help me to heal people. Come on, I just want to kick Satan in the teeth. Drop some Jesus bombs. Come on. Come on, Jesus. So, this is soap. And I've been doing this for a couple years. And I think it will really help you. So the important thing is don't get caught up on how much. Just figure out how much you can do. Like, you know, if it's a chapter, whatever. If you're going to read multiple chapters, or just one chapter, I guess. Go continuously. Don't jump around. Don't do the open thing. You're just going to get prostitute-verse every time, I swear. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and then the last thing is soap. I think soap's awesome. We have some cards out there, too, so it's really cool. It's, so it explains soap. So if you don't remember it, Go out there, get the card. And, or, and then on the back, it gives you a 30-day reading plan. So John 1, Proverbs 1. So Proverbs is a really cool book. It's just about just, or, it's how, to, or, to, or it's how to live a wise life. It, or the wisest man who ever lived, King Solomon, wrote this book and said, this is how to live with wisdom. So it has John 1, Proverbs 1 for one day. John 2, Proverbs 2. So it just takes you through for 30 days. And by that point, after 30 days, if you do it 30 days in a row, you're going to be ready to go. You're going to be picking your own books. So I encourage you, get that card. The worship team would come up, we're gonna have the prayer team come up in a bit, but first the worship team just come up and come you know, dim the lights, Ashley. So I recognize that, or that each of us are at a different place in our journey. If you're not a Christian, this sermon, I mean, all the stuff right before now hasn't really been for you, because I'm not calling you to read the Bible before you know Jesus. Although you can do that, and it can lead you to God. But 1 Corinthians 2.14 says this, if you'll throw it up. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he's not able to understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. So if you haven't come into relationship with Christ, the Bible says that you really can't understand Scripture the way it was meant to be understood. So before we can really hope to, to read the Word, I just want to have a come-to-Jesus moment right now. If you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, He wants to meet you tonight. And He knows you. That's the thing. He's known you your whole life. He's known every single terrible thing you've done. Guys, we're all sin. We're all screwed up. And He knows everything you've ever done, but He still loves you. And that's what's incredible about our God the other religions say, first of all, there's no other religion where a man came and lived a perfect life, he died, and then he rose again. They're just not. So that's the first thing. Secondly, all the other faiths in our world tell you, work your way up to God, okay? It's like God's standing on the top of a hill, and you're like, I'm going to climb. So for us, we, or tonight, you might kind of misconstrue the sermon and say, I need to read the Bible to get to God. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. But the cool thing about our God, about the living God, is we were sinful, flawed, the world's going to hell, we've done everything to wrong God, and God says, I'm a just God, so now here's the reality, if we've sinned, we deserve a penalty, it says the wages of sin is death, we deserve to pay a penalty, because God's a just judge, But judge could keep his job, if he just let everyone go free, that's not justice, think about Hitler, if he could just, Hey, go ahead, go to heaven. That's not justice. So God's a just God. So he needs the penalty to be paid for our sin, because we've each wronged him. But at the same time, it says God is love. It says that while while we were were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loves us. So God sends his own son. So the Trinity, like you may have heard of this, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, this weird thing. It's like one God, but three persons. They're hanging out for eternity. They're completely self-sustainable within themselves. They don't need us to be happy. They're happy within themselves. But Jesus leaves, comes as a baby, born in our world. Guys, and we know how, or just how messed up this world is. He comes as a baby, born in a manger. He goes through all the things we go through. He struggles with temptation. Men, if you're struggling or actually both of us, men or women, you're struggling with sexual sin, you think, I could never get out of this. Jesus struggled with that too, but he was able to say no. Jesus felt every single temptation that each of us feel, but he didn't give in to sin. And he lived a perfect life. People were getting jacked up about him. This guy's awesome. If he wanted, he could have been declared king over Israel, but he chose to take a different route because he knew that that things couldn't be set right now by him just coming and, or setting up some earthly kingdom and taking down Caesar. Jesus knew that there was a bigger problem at stake, and that's our sin, that's our hearts. And he died on the cross for each of us, and it, or if you've seen The Passion of the Christ or some of these movies depicting his death, it seems like, wow, that, that was really hard because he was beat and he's bloody, and yeah, that hurt. But the biggest thing that hurt is it says, God forsook him or, f- or forsaked him in that second, because God had to turn his back on him. Jesus, who was with the Trinity for eternity, just mutually loving and serving each other, God turned his back, and God punished him for us. And he know, guys when he was on the cross, he knew everything you'd ever do. He seen me in my worst moments. And guys, my life changed in this moment where I had just gotten so weighed down by my sin. I'd done so many things I said I would never do. Guys, you know when you're like 12, you're like, I'm going to do all these good things. And I got to be 17 years old, and I wasn't being the person I ever wanted to be. I was turning my back on God, treating girls really poorly, getting drunk every weekend. And I, I thought God could never love me. I thought God turned his back on me. There's one morning where just things broke down for me, and I just said, like I just reached out one more time. I said, I'm going to reach out one more time. God doesn't change my heart. I'm going full into this thing. And I said, Jesus, Jesus, will you forgive me? And I was just weeping, just weeping before him. And I just immediately, like I had felt cold and hard-hearted, and just in that moment, just this warmth flooded through my body. I can't explain it. Other than that, and Jesus just spoke to me. I said, I've loved you when you've been at your worst, I've loved you at your best. And I have a future for you. And he said, come on, let's go. From that moment, I said, I'm all in. He said, I can't turn back. The living God saw all my sin, saw all the times. Like, guys, he's with us even in those sinful moments. We're doing just the worst thing. He said, I loved you then, I love you now, and I'm always going to love you. And God's been doing that in this place. We got so many people that just a few months ago were far from God. God's reconciling people to himself in this room. Think about Josh Hance, and I just use this story because it's powerful. Josh was addicted to drugs, smoked it every day, was high in class. He comes to, or to me just the week before fall retreat and says, man, I'm hopeless. Man, I need, like, I need godly community. Like, I need God. And, and I'm thinking in my head, it's like, I can't do anything. I need God to do something. And he comes on our fall retreat, and God just wrecks him. He texts me on Sunday night. He says, I'm throwing my pipe away, Daniel. I go in the weight room on, or on Monday, and he's bringing his friends up to me saying, dude, tell them about Jesus. Then his brother Jacob, he's in the weight room, and I meet him, and he's like, dude, stay away. <laughs> Jacob comes to Kyle. If he comes in late, I still remember he sits right there where David is. And he gets rocked by Jesus. He gets saved. He just got baptized this last weekend. Come on. And then Denny, come on Denny, Denny is the best, honestly I love him. So Denny is Jake's roommate, and Jake brings Denny to the Lord, and Denny actually got baptized before Jake, because he was too excited to wait, so he got baptized in the WRC with like two people there, and it was incredible, it was incredible. God, or people getting baptized in the WRC, and guys, you know, when I took this job as a campus pastor, I said, I believe the best is yet to come for you and I. I believe that as college students, we don't need to accept our sin and just accept that, hey, we're just going to do life for four years and then get out of here and maybe find God when we're older. I said, I believe that God wants to pour out his spirit on our campus and have the greatest awakening that this campus has ever seen. And we're seeing it. We're seeing it. I can tell you story after story. So if you'd stand all across this room. Some of you tonight who you came here, you don't know Jesus, and God just spoke to you. He's saying, Come out of hiding, come into the light. Tonight's your night. Stop screwing around. We have one life to live, and we're all gonna die, and then we're gonna stand before our Maker, and He's gonna ask you, What have you done with what I've given you? He's gonna ask you, Have you been forgiven for your sins? And I want each person in this room to stand there and say, yeah, Jesus paid my penalty, and I live my life for him. There's some, other, or there's some other people in this room who you're a Christian, but, but you don't really read the Bible. You don't try to know God. And God's calling you into, into relationship tonight. He's calling you to something more. Christianity is not just get out of hell free card and then live our life how we want. Christianity is calling us into this intimate relationship with the creator God. So you bow your heads and close your eyes. We're just going to get right with Jesus right now. The first question is for Christians. If you're a Christian in this room and, and you feel that tug or that call to get intimate with Christ, to, to start spending time with him daily, to stop screwing around, and get serious about this thing, just raise your hand right now. Tons of hands going up. We're in this together, guys. We all have room to grow. Tons of hands. Put them down. Thank you, Jesus. Second question is this. The Spirit of God is in this place, and He's calling people to come to Jesus. If God's been calling your heart to come to Him, if you want to be forgiven for your sins, if you want to be able to partake and this beautiful relationship that the Trinity has, because the beautiful thing, the Trinity, where they're mutually loving and serving each other, God calls us into that. He says, come in to this dance with me. If you feel God calling you to be made right with him tonight, just raise your hand, be bold. See that hand, see that hand, see that hand. Tons of hands going up. We got about, wow, God is doing something. First, I want to pray for those of us who want to get, or just get right with Jesus, and then we'll pray for the Christians. Jesus, we come to you, and if you want to get right with Christ, pray this with me. Pray it in your heart. Just pray for forgiveness. Pray that God would set you right. Jesus, we come, and we just ask you to give us life. God, we ask you to heal those broken pieces. God, we're saying it's okay to not be okay, and we're here before you just saying, God, do something that that we can never do on our own. Let's make us right with you. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for paying our penalty, Jesus. And God, we want to storm the gates of hell now. We're not just getting out of hell free. We're going to storm the gates of hell and get people out of there. Jesus, give us that spirit. Our second group of us, just want to pray this. God, help us to be intimate with you. God, help us on the hard days when we're in Leviticus to keep reading, to keep pressing in, to pray, to to set aside time each day to pray and just stand in your presence to worship you, Jesus. Help us to be intimate with you. God, we resolve to be rooted in the word of God, not in our culture, God, not in our world, but in the word of God. Jesus, we thank you. We love you. Thanks for dropping Jesus bombs tonight. Amen. We're just gonna worship now.